Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. I'm assuming that uh, you're hearing me because I've been asking the lieutenant for a sound check and he hasn't given me one yet. So are we good, lieutenant? I'm hearing you now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we had to turn you on. <laughs> I turned the mic on anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Could you so, hear us? I, I was listening to the cold November rain. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm remoting in uh, this. And actually, I'm, I need to kind of give a little disclaimer here because I, I might have to step away in a minute here. So this is another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. It's uh, Friday, May 28th, 2021. Uh, I am at the Mass Major City Chiefs annual retreat in Falmouth uh, in studio this morning. Our Lieutenant Gary Traversa running the board. Good, good you, morning, Lieutenant. everybody. Good morning, Chief. And, uh, and I'm pretty oh, sure oh, gotcha. I can't see there is Officer Darren. <laughs> can't Derby. put me on the screen like that. I'm on my phone. People are going to think I'm okay. Right. Who, who hasn't been You're in referencing. for a while? I am referencing. <laughs> um, so, Lieutenant, let's uh, get a check of the weather, and uh, then we'll come back, and I'll try to explain why I might have to step away in a couple minutes here. Sounds good. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, cloudy, rain likely this afternoon, cooler with highs in the upper 50s, northeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour, chance of rain 60%, tonight, rain, lows around 40, northeast wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, chance of rain 80%, Saturday, cloudy, rain likely, mainly in the morning, highs in the lower 50s, east wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, Chance of rain 70%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. All right, we're back. And uh, as I said, I'm remoting in for this this morning's session because I'm at the annual retreat with my fellow chiefs from the Mass Major City Chiefs. Uh, and the reason I might have to step away is that our training session was basically all day yesterday. And normally on the Friday morning wrap-up, we don't do an actual session we just do a quick after action hot wash and then everybody you know packs up to start making their way either you know into the holiday weekend or back home um, but we have a lot going on and uh, it was decided last night that we were actually going to convene um, i thought we were convening this morning at 10 and i just found out at breakfast that we're actually scheduled to convene uh, right now um, but people are still wandering in so i knew i could get on the air and at least have a brief conversation and if uh, the facilitators show up i might have to step away but i'm also hoping that as people are coming in the hall i might be able to snag one or two of them and convince them to to get on screen with me um so it, it's it's definitely been a productive trip down here and it was phenomenal to be able to do some some in-person networking after what has been a, a long year of virtual events um, but it's very interesting because uh you know as we all know we're still under we're still under the current phase of covid restrictions and they expire tomorrow um and so it's it's very interesting to see people showing up at this venue um with different interpretations of what that means and place the place we're staying is is fabulous it's beautiful but it has a very a very cool combination of indoor and outdoor dining uh and and the thresholds are, are very very blurred so uh lots of smiley happy faces out on the decks and patios uh, and then a lot of confused faces when staff is asking people to mask back up when they step across particular door frames so that's that's been kind of a, a hoot actually to watch it happen so chief you're in the corridor of the conference venue so I am. I am in the hallway outside of our meeting room, uh, watching my fellow chiefs arrive for this session that is getting ready to kick off. With the backdrop. So we talked about this. I don't have the backdrop. I um, last police memorial day, so police week 2020, 
when I decided to do those virtual comments and record them, I took the backdrop home to record the comments at home. And I took several photos and videos of the step and repeat backdrop without me in front of it. And when we switched everything to Zoom, I just changed one of those photos into a virtual backdrop. Gotcha. So that's that's just a Zoom background. Okay. Looks real. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I do this. so um before i talk about the retreat agenda and kind of what we've been up to down here uh you guys have been busy at home right between wednesday afternoon uh the secure comms that i was receiving while we were on the road and then uh the media release that you sent out yesterday it's been a rough couple of days yeah there's uh we've had quite a bit of activity and i was just talking to uh officer derby here he had some uh, activity last night he was pretty busy um I, s- I saw an email first thing this morning got somebody for leaving the scene of a property damage accident oui yeah while on a road job yeah while on a road while job. on a yeah. road job yeah <laughs> you're on a road job at two in the morning uh yeah well i i worked uh 9 p.m to 4 30 this morning so what kind of road job uh painting lines ah the line painting yes detail. yes you can't, you, and don't blame us when you drive through uh, Coatesville and the lines aren't straight. We had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just secure the work zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it uh, looks like I've got a couple minutes here because there's, there's definitely only a half dozen people who have made their way down here so far. So again, you probably uh, have about another forty-five minutes, Chief. I'm confident. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to get into a ton of detail about the previous case that we were just discussing, but I I do want to tell our viewers and listeners. Um, this this was interesting. I was having breakfast with uh, our our point of contact from the Shot Spotter company and a couple of my fellow chiefs. There are other Shot Spotter communities, and this isn't related to Shot Spotter per se, but we were talking about the increase in gun violence nationally and responses to it. And so this case that I briefly mentioned, you know, day shift, broad daylight, essentially uh, suspicious activity, you know, well, first came in as a person in a, in a residence with a gun and then follow up with suspicious activity in close proximity to the residence. Patrol initiates a foot chase, um, end up arresting two juveniles and while, you know, examining the track of the foot chase, we recover, what, two loaded handguns? Yeah. Yes. Yep. yep. And, was... and a quantity of Class B drugs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sharing this story with uh, with uh, prior Chief Ron Teachman, who's now a shot spotter, and a couple of my fellow chiefs. I'm like, yeah, we took two loaded handguns off the street, and the people carrying them were 15 and 16 years old. Right. It, it's it, this. This is not unique to Pittsfield. It's it's a Commonwealth wide and a national problem, but you know if if you look at some of the intangibles or immeasurables that came out of 2020, the dramatic increase in illegal guns in the hands of, of our residents is it's staggering, right? There's just a ton of guns out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are, you know, these are not transplants or, you know, somebody coming into town. These are our these are, local these are residents. Kids. Yeah. Right. And so one of the briefings that we had yesterday afternoon was from the, um, interim special agent in charge of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms in, in the Commonwealth. And Jim uh, had, had actually, without us even asking, any department that was registered to come to this retreat as of three weeks ago, he ran individual numbers for each of the departments. So he handed me yesterday afternoon our E-Trace and um, crime gun numbers from ATF. And, you know, we don't have... We didn't submit nearly as many guns and casings as a lot of the larger departments did. But one of the interesting things is for every gun we submitted to ATF, we got a Nibin hit back on. We got some type of link to a crime, either another crime in our jurisdiction or somewhere else in the Commonwealth. Um, And so these illegal guns are being transported and move within criminal organizations and a lot of them are ending up on the streets of Pittsfield. Uh, he also confirmed again something that we knew but the number one source of our illegal guns in the city is Florida right the, these are not guns that are being purchased locally or stolen locally these these guns are being brought to our city specifically uh, as trafficked illegal firearms um, so we're gonna have to we're going to have to double down our efforts and pay some attention to that. 
Yeah, and that's um, that's I think Lieutenant Dolly had kind of mentioned in some messages. That's consistent with the uh, information that we had gotten from the ATF what six months ago. Well, we've been working with ATF for several years now, and historically, the source of our crime guns has been North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Um, and a lot of that is because of family connections. But um, it looks like you know the the Florida source is going to be commercial, right? That That is a deliberate criminal enterprise to transport, to purchase and transport guns. So. Yeah. So what else is going on? So, the, you know, I, I love coming down to the annual retreat at MMC. So first of all, we're in Falmouth, right? It's just been gorgeous. We got here Wednesday night and it was a little dreary and overcast and drizzly, but we still, uh, you know, Christina and I, Christina and I still went and walked on the beach. Um, is that where the, uh, the IMC conference was a few years ago? Is it the same place? Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't put me in that weird cottage on the other side of the parking lot this time. <laughs> I actually got to stay in the main hotel. Um, and obviously, you know, we're on the shoulder of Memorial Day weekend, so we're getting ready to leave here, and this place is just starting to pop. People are, are coming in to check in for their long weekend. It was gorgeous yesterday. Um, you know, it, as I said, the, the conference is the Massachusetts major city chiefs conference we're the smallest pd that qualifies as a major city uh so so i'm the i'm the little chief among the big chiefs uh, and we are also the the most remote right most of these departments are your boston metro area or contiguous to the boston metro area um you know and then fall river new bedford worcester area springfield and then there's us um and so these are chiefs that I don't get to spend a lot of time with. But uh, shortly after I became the chief, one of the things I realized is our city, our community has a lot more in common with these jurisdictions than we do with some of our surrounding you know, rural hill towns. And so I get a lot of guidance and a lot of assistance from these chiefs. And it's always invaluable to me when I get to come and spend time with them. Uh, and it's always an impactful conference. It's This is not one of those conferences where, you know, they schedule something just so you can get to the beach and, and then it's a boondoggle. This is a lot of work. Um, you know, we we had a beautiful lunch out on the, on the ocean view yesterday. And, you know, any many training conferences had that been you know the afternoon session would have been empty uh and it wasn't right every everybody came back to work because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of important work to do so um one of the cool parts about coming down here because um because it is the the largest cities in the commonwealth our federal counterparts always make time to come spend time with us here. And so we had uh, situation briefings, capability briefings yesterday from the FBI, the DEA, and the ATF. Um, and you know, they were the organizations that provided the briefings, but Secret Service is here. You know, um, I, I don't think anybody from Department of Homeland Security is here this year, but uh, U.S. Marshals, right? My my friend and instructor, uh, United States Marshal John Gibbons, he was with us uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and so we get a lot of situational awareness about what's going on. Uh, the FBI briefing specifically had to do with social media exploitation, and uh, the woman who gave the briefing, she's the chief of the unit that. Um, you know, does trend analysis and, and looks for things. She spent her, she and her unit have spent a lot of time since January 6th rooting out um, extremist social media stuff. They've been very, very productive in that. So it was, it was interesting to see how they do that kind of work. Uh, they shared a case briefing with us also. I didn't think anything about this. Um, an international, what's going on, Commissioner? You want to you come be on my weekly radio show? Come talk to my guests? <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, he's got to make a phone call. Well, he's going to pop over. Um, so uh, they they gave us capabilities briefing on a um, international ATM skimming case that essentially they were able to crack by using social media posts and imagery and Google Maps. And they tracked uh, lead defendant down in Texas just by uh, Instagram posts. And they were able to like, you know, say, hey, that's a Cricket Wireless store in Dallas. And they could find, they, they tracked the person to their apartment. So, wow. Commissioner, Sir. what's going on? 
So joining me is uh, former Boston Police Commissioner Willie Gross. Oh, there he is. Hey, so, uh, Good Willie, you, you got my Lieutenant Traversa as my sound engineer right now, and you can't see him. I'm not sure what can yeah. Lieutenant, can you flip the camera? Because yeah. also in studio this morning is Officer Darren Durbin Morning. from our Operation Copsicle. Ah. <laughs> you know who that is. Yeah. So uh, there's the commissioner. I got to change the camera angle here. There we go. So, uh, Commissioner Gross has, has retired from Boston PD, but he came oh, down and joined us. Um, it's always a good time to see Willie. He has been a, a friend and a mentor and has taught me much in the time that he served as a commissioner, even before he served as a commissioner. So, uh, not only not only a great cop, but he's he's a lot of fun to be with. Too. I'm, I'm upset. We never got to uh, we never got to mingle with Operation Hoodsy Cup. Something yesterday. I hope everyone realizes their self worth and our great and honored profession. Um, a lot of people. Uh oh. Reiterate. I hope everyone listening. There we go. We got you good now. There we go. <laughs> Listen, I hope you realize your self worth. We have a very honorable job. And um, just think about that. When you hear all of this anti-police sentiment, people getting on our cases, Monday morning quarterbacking, those are the same people that will call you 30 or 40 times, but they'll never tell <laughs> their right. constituency. Just think of something else as well. Take care of yourselves. This was I told my brothers, my fellow chiefs, make sure you take care of yourself. I promise I won't swear. Uh, okay, make sure... I'm not. I'm not. No, no. Make sure. Why are you getting nervous? See, I scared him. He told you I was a lot of fun. So just just make sure you take care of yourselves. Take advantage of your peer support unit. You shouldn't be ostracized, criticized, alienated because you want to make sure you're okay. You know, too, too many of us die by our own hands, that end of watch. Um, so this is an honorable profession. We run towards the danger, not away from it. And there's a lot of things that impact us. And lastly, again, know your self-worth. You're good folks. You were raised right. And um, know that I'll always have your back. This is my brother here. Thank you for your services and our, to our great nation. And um, lastly, retirement's great. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. <clears throat> Yeah. So we were having breakfast, and uh, Commissioner Gross just told us a story about the time he slapped a barracuda while he was swimming in Jamaica. <laughs> it was a good story. Was that on um, duty or off? Oh, man. Was that? Was that on duty? He or was off? on special assignment. Man. <laughs> he he was he was a young man, and he was you know hanging down in the Bahamas. And of course, <clears throat> being a young person from urban Massachusetts, he was in the water with all of his gold chains around his neck, not knowing that that's mm. the type of thing that attracts a barracuda. Oh, yeah. He showed up in front of him and he smacked it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know any different. <laughs> all right. He's so, here to tell the story. That's good. And he has both hands. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the FBI briefing was pretty cool. Uh, the DEA briefing, unfortunately, was pretty frightening. Um, you know, for for the officers, you know, for all of us who have been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, New England traditionally, you know, when I was when I was young and I was undercover, we dealt with crack cocaine, uh, powdered cocaine, and then you know it was kind of the, the upsurge in pills, and then of course for the last several years we've been dealing with the opioid epidemic, and during all of that for you know my entire 26 years in law enforcement, we we pretty much uh, were isolated from the explosion of methamphetamine that took place everywhere else in the country right i mean there there are portions of the country that have just been devastated by meth and we really didn't have to deal with it and one of the reasons we didn't have to deal with it was there wasn't that big a market for it um but dea basically you know with with the exponential availability of fentanyl and the, the fact that most of the what's being sold on the streets in the new england area is heroin is actually fentanyl um they're seeing an increase in methamphetamine and the drug trafficking cartels that have been responsible for 
trafficking heroin are also now using the same routes to traffic methamphetamine. So there's a lot more methamphetamine in New England than there has ever been before. And one of the most frightening things they shared with us is that the cartels are so methamphetamine can be smoked it can be injected but it can also be ingested and what they're seeing is the um cartel pill mills are pressing methamphetamine into counterfeit adderall uh, and it's showing up on our middle school and high school and college campuses because adderall you know genuine adderall prescribed adderall is a uh prescription drug of abuse among young people but you know it's it's popular as a stimulant in school settings and now they're taking what they believe is adderall and it's actually methamphetamine and uh, the overdose rate is increasing so that was a scary briefing yeah that's um that's serious you know the thing for our viewers and listeners the you know obviously illicit drugs you know causes um you know problems amongst communities um, but in terms of enforcement, uh, meth is scary in terms of uh, the manufacturing process and the dangers associated with that. And, um, you know, the, the um, prevalence of uh, fentanyl, just its, its presence because it, it can go airborne so quickly um, is dangerous. So those, I think those two drugs, uh, you know, highlight the, the, the risks of drug enforcement um and, and that doesn't even take into consideration the you know the fact that that those um dealing are you know as we saw this week they're they're arming themselves so right. there's all sorts of dangers so our capabilities briefing from dea yesterday was provided by a special special agent lacaire who is the chief of the new england clandestine laboratory enforcement team or clan lab team uh and so he gave the briefing and then i had the opportunity to have lunch with him and i shared with him that when i was a fellow in quantico in 2003 2004 i had the opportunity to go through both clandestine lab programs I, I did the clan lab class as an investigator and i did the clan labs raid class to qualify to serve with the um with the clan lab team and i never served with the clan lab team because it wasn't an issue in new england in 2004. shortly after i came back my instructor in the clan lab program uh, special agent cashman he rotated from quantico to the new england field division and within a matter of weeks of getting up to uh, dea headquarters in boston he was finding clan labs um because he knew the signs and symptoms and, and he knew what to look for and uh one of the weird things about the the agents and the task force officers assigned the clan lab team because it is so dangerous they have to go through a fairly stringent annual physical to stay on the team uh and you know city had no interest in, in paying for me to go through this occupational physical so i never recertified um and you know i'm in hindsight i'm glad i didn't because it's it's terrifying uh and so one of the things that especially agent lacaire shared with me over lunch is you know their team his his unit with all their agents and tfos they largely focus on fentanyl right they got to put on full protective equipment to go in on breathing gear to go process these fentanyl labs and now they're they're seeing an uptick in the processing of methamphetamine now historically in new england when we see meth production it's you know what in the vernacular we refer to the one pot method it's essentially a shake and bake thing and it doesn't have a lot of dangerous chemicals involved in it it's messy and it's nasty and it's noxious but it, it's not necessarily going to be fatal so you got to use a lot of care um, but mainly you're just trying to mitigate the risk of this stuff spreading in the community commercial methamphetamine um, commercial illicit methamphetamine production involving large amounts of pseudoephedrine requires some toxic chemicals including anhydrous ammonia and one of the things they're seeing is bulk imports of pseudoephedrine across the Canadian border, which means that they need to they need to match that up with anhydrous ammonia somewhere. And my observation to him is, hey, we live in an agricultural area. Anhydrous ammonia's commercial uses as a fertilizer. It's readily available. So if the source material is coming in across the border and they need the processing material, where are they going to get it? They're going to get it from areas like us. Um, so we've got to we've got to start paying attention to that. And anhydrous ammonia is nasty, nasty stuff. Like if you inhale it, it essentially melts your tissue. 
it's um you know it's amazing the amount of um you know dangers and things that are out there that you know it, it we we obviously pay attention um you know through uh statewide and and national even international um information that we we gather and and try to keep up with but it's conferences like you're at chief that you know keep us in the loop and our eyes open to the stuff uh coming into the city so after we had the three federal briefings yesterday we had another session uh so you know president of the mass major city chiefs is my friend chief brian kais of chelsea uh, brian is always very proud of of his men and women and the work they do we you both know we get a lot of policy assistance from chelsea pd they send us yep. a lot of stuff that we end up adopting yeah. um, but brian is also responsible for the creation of what is known as the chelsea hub and so um brian asked his his member of his command staff uh, somebody who has become my friend over the last couple of years we've co-presented together um brian asked if uh captain dave bachelor would come down with his partner um dan and talk to us about the chelsea hub and so chelsea is six years into this program and essentially what it is is they host weekly meetings with all of their um private nonprofit, non-governmental organization or governmental uh, service providers, mental health, substance abuse service providers, uh, public safety and public health providers. And they do um, disidentified, unidentified case briefings on people who are at high risk for a variety of risk factors. And then they form sub teams and they go and they deal with these um, individuals, in a community wide approach, a holistic community wide approach. And they've you know had positive outcomes for over 800 people uh, in using this team approach. And, and so like, Darren, I know, you know, we've had conversations in the past about trying to do something similar and we get a lot of um, turf battle stuff and protection and you know i i frequently hear when i approach some of my colleagues and other organizations you know we can't confidentiality we can't talk to you about that and so dave and dan also were able to provide us with the like the legal basis of how to break through those silos so i'm hopeful that we will get one or both of them out to pittsfield to uh to do a little briefing and hopefully on um, the three-day training on how we might also establish a hub model um you know, it's Pittsfield's probably not quite big enough to, that we would do it just for ourselves, but I, you know, all the agencies that we work with uh, are countywide. So um, I think we could probably regionalize it with with great impact. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah. And then, Lieutenant, you'll be intrigued to hear our last briefing of the day was from our uh, our new friend Mike, who came to talk to us about the uh, CRG grid reference program oh that yeah we had met with them right before the pandemic hit yeah. and uh were unable to implement and so um since we spoke to them 18 months ago uh they have pretty much they've been given the contract to do pretty much all the schools in new jersey they're in the process of negotiating a contract for the new york city public schools they've done um the airport in newark they've done some work with jfk but uh they're pausing on that because it's under construction they wait till it's finished they just got awarded the contract to do dulles and reagan and uh my my friend previous chief jeff farnsworth who used to be the chief in hamden is now our law enforcement special liaison to eops uh he shared with us that eops is going to actually fund um some critical infrastructure mapping in massachusetts and the hope is that once the commonwealth buys into this then that will become a um standard best practice across the board definitely for our schools and hopefully for our hospitals so wow it's interesting they've grown quite a bit absolutely yeah. <clears throat> they've also gotten their um they've gotten their time down significantly uh they can they can turn around a map of a three-story school with the walk with the necessary walkthrough in about 45 days so Huh. And the the other thing they shared with us that I they didn't mention this when we met with them on the product, we we were looking at them for buildings, right? And of course they can do buildings, but they also can do open air areas, and uh, they can do that in real time for a client. So um, one community in New Jersey that they had already done their schools, they had two 
the same community. They had a missing person in a wooded area and CRG provided them with grid reference maps of the search area and they were able just to check off each grid as they as they cleared it and then they had a barricaded subject and they gave them the tactical map of the target house and so all responding officers from the regional srt had common situational awareness because they all were working off the same imagery regardless of where they were responding from so some some pretty cool tactical opportunities there as well with all the imagery that's available now makes you wonder how much um if there's space left in space <laughs> <laughs> well space is infinite so the answer to that question is yes a lot of satellites up there a lot of satellite debris yeah. not as much as there was a month ago <laughs> yeah. all right so uh so that was pretty much all day yesterday and uh people are still wandering in here this morning uh, i haven't I haven't seen either of our facilitators, so maybe they're maybe they decided to convene in the restaurant. I have to take a walk up there in a couple of minutes. So are so you, you there? Right. Are you there through the weekend? No, we're headed back this afternoon. Okay. Coming back to the rain. Cap Captain Trupani will be relieved. I'll be back there before close of business today. <laughs> yes, he will. So what else is going on? Um you know, just uh you know, like like we talked about a couple incidents that we had uh um you know throughout the week here. Um had a little bit of uh I did a little training on fireworks yesterday. If we have time we can touch on that with uh you know the fourth of July coming up and what uh you know, just clarify the, the laws. Um and well, let's get a station identification break and another check of the weather, and then we'll come back and talk about fireworks. Sounds good. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, cloudy. Rain likely this afternoon. Cooler with highs in the upper 50s. Northeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Tonight, rain. Lows around 40. Northeast wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 80%. Saturday, cloudy. Rain likely, mainly in the morning. Highs in the lower 50s. East wind 15 to 20 miles per hour. Chance of rain 70%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College, offering the chance to get some college credits this summer with small class sizes and courses running for only six weeks. Summer classes begin June 1st. For more information, berkshirecc.edu slash summer. That's berkshirecc.edu slash summer. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear because we have podcasts. Type in wtbrfm.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, Visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Mrs. Wynn will be happy. There's a new BCC. She's um, going to be thrilled. PSA in there. I told her I would rep BCC today. I had my BCC mask on. Oh, can you put that up again? I didn't have... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> there you yep, go. There we go. <laughs> she will be thrilled to know that she's in the rotation for the ads. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so uh, we're back. Thank you again for, if you're just joining us, you're tuning into another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Um, I am joining you remotely this morning from the Mass Major City Chiefs Annual Retreat and Conference in Falmouth. Uh, in studio this morning is Lieutenant Traversa and Officer Derby. Good morning, everyone. That was a horrible weather report. I'm not coming back. No, <laughs> no, don't. It's it's bright and sunny here. I got to drive back into that. Yeah, I, I don't think the cape is going to escape it either, though. So, yeah. Anyhow, um, so you were doing some training on fireworks law and enforcement. Yeah, I did a WebEx um, yesterday. You know, just uh, in the lead up to the Fourth of July. Obviously, there's always um, additional, I would say, uh, firework activity. Um, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if people realize that Massachusetts is the lone state to have, uh, you know, where, where fireworks are, are completely illegal on, you know, every type and, and style and, you know, regardless of whether it's, you know, made for home use or commercial. Um, and the, uh, you know, Office of the State Fire Marshal, uh, and despite some occasional lobbying the legislature is um looking to keep it that way uh you know mostly because of the prevalence of injuries and and deaths associated with uh home uh firework use um so the you know obviously with uh you know fourth of july very popular holiday for our country the the stress has is on you know watch the, the the professional fireworks displays of you know which obviously we have here in town um the pittsfield sons uh traditionally have a a display um on the thir- uh the fourth of july or the third depending on on the um the year and the circumstance um and uh last year was a little different too because um well, for a variety of reasons, I think there's been an increase in availability because of some law changes, m- most notably in New York, right? Um, for us, but um, you know, New Hampshire's been legal for a while, so Eastern Mass, there's a lot of, of fireworks coming into that end of the state from New Hampshire. But over here, I mean, you, you know, there's there's avail- increased availability. So um, you know, we saw it last year, um, a notable increase, and I. I think that that was not just specific to Pittsfield, Berkshire County, right. you know, and throughout the state. Um, so there's, um, you know, kind of a renewed push for some education and enforcement on, um, you know, the laws and the dangers. So when, when New York, <clears throat> when New York changed their law, they did something that I thought was very interesting because <clears throat> they, excuse me, <clears throat> they basically tiered it right. And so there's there's things that are prohibited all the time and then there's things that are permissible for like personal civilian use for distinct periods of time and then there's stuff that they just kind of opened up and you know i know that right around this time of year i start getting targeted ad stuff sent to my mailbox from these companies in new hampshire and new york and at least one company in new york they essentially set up a pop-up shop right across the border yeah basically just you know drive drive over here pick it up turn around drive back um and then the other issue, like, it, you know, I like I like fireworks displays as much as anybody else. And, you know, statute of limitations is up when I was a kid. You know, I used to love, um, my, my stepfather was a long-haul truck driver, and he would always, you know, come back up from south of the border and, and bring some stuff up for the holiday. And I love that. But they are dangerous. Um, and it was the thing that I never thought about until my brother was discharged from the Marine Corps is how many of our returning veterans are traumatized horrifically traumatized by fireworks displays in their neighborhoods um and with with the amount of veterans coming back from overseas you know you get these um these ad requests or or these appeals from veterans organizations and just you know please don't do it don't do it to your neighbor right can you imagine if you're a um you know veteran of the global war on terror and you're just trying to sleep and somebody in your neighborhood starts setting off fireworks and all of a sudden you're you know you're thrown into a flashback it's just uh it's disrespectful um 
you know, I, and terrorizes animals. Like my dog hates fireworks. <laughs> I, you know, I I love fireworks. It's um, you know, I have somebody not too far from me that does a professional show, and it's 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 great. Um, however, you mentioned about the animals. I I don't have a dog anymore. I had one for years, and um, he ended up a mile away for two days before I located him because he was so um, freaked out by the fireworks. And, and in subsequent years, I would, um, you know, make sure, you know, I, this this fireworks display went on at the same time every year. So I was able to anticipate it, and I'd bring the dog in the, you know, in the living room and kind of sit on the couch with him. And I still remember this 100-pound German shepherd shaking shaking like a leaf under under my legs when this was going on um and it's you know you mentioned the the veterans thing uh also chief i i witnessed that as a as a young kid um a neighbor i was very close to um somebody that that the three of us know um vietnam vet who that that was you know a serious um precipitator of stress uh for that individual and it was um it was heartbreaking my 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 little brother is a hard dude he is a hard dude he's done some hard stuff uh and prior to him going in the marine corps he he probably was one of our biggest offenders and perpetrators of unlawful fireworks to see the impact on him during the week of the holiday uh when when stuff's going it's it's frightening um you know i i don't know where it takes him you know he doesn't choose to share that but um it it's frightening to see the impact it can have so you know just be respectful one of the points that was made also is the that with new york the way i understand it you know understand it low grade fireworks are are legal which would include things like sparklers so the issue with sparklers is that is something that um you know parents who maybe aren't educated or aren't aren't thinking clearly and you know and i I actually did this as a kid too you you know get a hold of a sparkler you hold it you light it and you kind of you know you walk around around or run around with it and twirl it and you know whatever that's actually really you know more dangerous to a certain uh to a certain you keep respect it in your hand <laughs> yeah because you keep it in your hand and it's young kids handling it and you know not only is there the the burn risk to their hands but if it drops on the ground you know fourth of july you're barefoot stepping on it, it i think it burns it they were they were saying 13 or 1400 degrees it's uh, essentially like a welding rod yeah right you're handing a child a welding rod <laughs> so yeah it's and and that's you know, you're obviously not going to, at least I don't, I don't think you're, you're going to, a reasonable person is going to hand a kid a, you know, a Roman candle or, you know, something that's you makes more of a, a boom. But you might not think of a sparkler as a big deal when it really, you know, is the source of a lot of, um, you know, injuries to, to youngsters over the holiday. So. All right. So they are illegal in all forms just you know if if the criminal element or the criminality doesn't bother you think about the other things we just talked about right impact on our neighbors impact on our pets um just go to the professional shows enjoy the professional shows and they're subject to seizure um we're actually as law enforcement officers if we come upon you know a the the fireworks you have you know display and the neighbors call and we show up um we're mandated to seize them um the the penalty um in terms of the monetary is not severe and that's one of the things that was discussed um that you know the legislature there's some lobbying towards the legislator that make it a little more um you know uh impactful but the uh the sale of it is is obviously a, a serious uh a more serious offense um, but if you're thinking about going out and, you know, spending 
hundreds or thousands of dollars on on a fireworks display and uh, just know that it's subject to seizure yeah don't make us come take your stuff <clears throat> right all right darren you've been very quiet this show i'm just listening he, he is really quiet. And I am I, listening. I made note of that. That's why I did the, the Darren Derby theft PSA. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are doing a great job. I don't even need to say anything. <laughs> What's going on? He, he's tired. <laughs> he's tired from work and late last night. What time, what time did you get off shift? Oh, man. You said 4.30, right? Uh, yeah, 4.30. So I got uh, two and a half hours. That's not enough? <laughs> Well, I took a 20-minute cat nap before I went in last night. So it's not uh-huh. anything that I'm not used to, but, you know, I, the age thing is catching up to me. And I can't, uh, I can't do it like, I, I mean, I could stay up for 32 hours, you know, and still, like, function like a normal human. At least I thought I could you when I was you younger. And, uh, and be able to process things. But this is, uh, thankfully, I don't do this too often. I, I'm just teasing you. I'd be drooling on the board if I would. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm on, like, my 10th win, so I'm all right. <laughs> I am not going to get into any details. We, we got down here Wednesday night just around dinner time. At dinner in the hotel uh, restaurant. Um, went upstairs, you know, kind of settled in. Walked down, and several several of uh, my fellow chiefs were out by the pool. So, you know, we're, we're hanging out out there. It gets to be you know, a reasonable hour. I'm like, okay, I got to go up. <laughs> See you, gentlemen. He's like, um, it's like no, go up. And uh, decided that I was going to walk and see if I could find uh, Chief Kais and Chief Mazzy and come back downstairs. And the classroom hadn't been set up yet. So it's about, you know, 8 30, 9 o'clock. Commissioner, gentlemen. So come back down, help them set up the classroom figuring that you know that'll be the end of it we're gonna go up and go to bed made the mistake of walking back to the pool area on my way back to my room now the group out there is much bigger commissioner <laughs> gross was holding court i ended up staying up with willie till like two in the morning oh. can't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> i used to turn into a pumpkin at midnight now it's dialed back to about 11 <laughs> So, uh, Darren, what's going on with uh, with activities around uh, safety officer stuff and Operation Copsicle? Uh, well, thankfully, uh, you know, again, you know, we you touched briefly on it. The mask mandate is uh, officially um, coming to an end tomorrow, although we're going to still practice our safe distancing and, and uh, keep those uh, that aren't vaccinated protected the best we can. Um, but uh, we started visiting some uh, daycare facilities, uh, preschool-type um <coughs> places this week with operation copsicle um the uh we've got a couple of events and i'm going to try to get the truck to uh talk to lieutenant traverse about that uh tomorrow the skate park is opening up the brand new skate park uh of course it's going to rain and then um sunday the, the new riverwalk park yes too. yes and the riverwalk uh park is going to open but again with the with the weather i'm not sure we're going to be able to really facilitate that but Hopefully it'll be out in action soon. We've got a couple of movie nights uh, trying to get those in the works for some of the housing developments coming up. And, um, yeah, other than that, not, not much. So you, you mentioned that you started doing some uh, you know, preschool or daycare visits this week. I, I, just, I have to tell you how incredibly proud uh, I am of you and uh, Officer Jumo, that post you put up. I wish oh, you with had hope. told me. I, yeah, with hope. I, I wish you had told me ahead of time that you were going to do that because I would have, I would have um, leveraged it on a couple more platforms. That people are just so so excited and impressed by that. Can you talk a little bit about that visit? Yeah, you, you know, and you know how that. I mean, <clears throat> the current climate. Um, you know, given uh, the racial tensions and, and everything else going on with policing and. So we, we made the visit. Uh, it was already a prearranged visit. Actually, that was the only one for the day. Um, but we had some time in between, which we ended up going to multiple facilities. But um, so we're there. And, and, you know, of course, being in, in the community and, and seeing the different reactions over the last six or seven years, 
of how kids have acted based on you know what they're being told and what what we're actually seeing uh, on the news, um, they're they're subjected to a lot of a lot of things. So we're there, and there had to be I think about a dozen about a dozen young kids, and this one young lady who you see in the picture, Hope. Um, she is sitting on her teacher's lap and kind of like you know coddling and in, in hiding behind her. And, you know, I just, hey, you know, how are you? You know, and, and you know, uh, some of the other kids, they're very vocal. And you can see that they're used to having um, good relations with the police or just, you know, me in general that I've been there before. Um, this young lady, I hadn't met her. And she, she just seemed, she was very timid. And we immediately find out that she doesn't speak much English and that she speaks French. And I, I think the teachers were kind of blown away when I said, oh, really? Well, you know, we have a, an officer here who's very fluent in French, and they're kind of like, "What?" So it took a it took a, a minute or two for Officer Jumo to kind of um, get into the comfort zone because it can be very overwhelming when you have that many kids and they're just pointing at everything you have and Absolutely. you know you know what's this and what's that and you know you have to control their conversation and it's not easy, um, but you have to make it interesting for them. And um, after a, a minute or two of, of warming him up. Uh, you know, she immediately, like, she was like, had that death scare, you know, like look in her face, like, oh my gosh, why are the police here? And, you know, I don't know if she fully understood who we were or what the uniform represents. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, she just suddenly let go of her teacher, got up and ran over to him. And he was standing next to me and gave him the, the most giant hug, uh, you know, and wouldn't let go. And the teacher actually captured that picture, um, and I'm glad she did because it would just it shows, you know, who we are. You know that that there's a human behind this, and as soon as you know, as soon as she realized that he spoke French and he said something to her, I think she kind of like was just I don't know. She she was overwhelmed and and taken back by that and. As soon as that hug was over, she came over, she gave me a hug. Um, and of course, you know, I, I don't speak French, but, you know, I, I, you know, talked to her and I'm assuming she understood some of the stuff that I said, but she couldn't leave his side after that, like kept coming back over and over and over and just kind of like, you know, hanging on to him would, you know, kind of come over and, and grab his hand um, or, you know, touch the, touch the, the items on our, on our duty belt um, you know, and we had to, you know, obviously educate that. Um, but f um, almost immediately when, when the two of them connected uh, because of their language, uh, there was a, it was just, I don't know, it was an amazing thing. So, so you know, for, for our viewers and listeners, maybe who haven't been, uh, haven't tuned in for previous programs, you may not know. So the officer we're talking about, Officer Ansi Jumo, uh, he's a comparatively new officer. He's, uh, you know, not that long out of field training. Um, we've had him on the program in the past. We've interviewed him. And uh, Officer Jumo is Haitian. Uh, he was born in Haiti, uh, emigrated to the States when he was about 12, eventually um, you know, relocated to the Boston area, went to school in, in um, I think, Brockton and Dorchester. And he is fluent in English, French, Spanish, and Creole. Um, and so, you know, the teacher took that picture and Darren, you posted it, right? It was a great little story, but I had to repost it on, on my page because I wanted to tell the little bit of the story about officer Jumo. Right. So, you know, when both, when we interviewed him, when I interviewed him pre-employment and then when we interviewed him on the program, I asked him, you know, why Pittsfield? You know, you, you could have gone to work anywhere in the Commonwealth, anywhere in the country, really. Why Pittsfield? And, um, you know, officer Jumo is a smart man. And he had done some research, you know, prior to deciding he was going to come out and, and sign the list. And he had seen, you know, essentially because of the work you do, Darren, you know, with your social media stuff, he had seen our community engagement efforts and he wanted to work in a department that that worked in that way. And so he relocated to the Berkshires specifically to come work with us and do that type of work. So it was um, it was heartwarming you know, to, to see it come to fruition. And it, it like I said, he's, he's a rookie, right? He's only been on solo patrol for a couple months. So, you know, I think, you know, and again, you, you try to, you know, I, I couldn't, I was looking for the right words on, on how to really describe that exact moment. But, you know, two people may see 
uh, two people of color, um, you know, an officer and a, and a, a young lady, uh, you know, interacting. But again, it, it, I don't believe it had anything to do with, hey, you know, he looks like me. You're right. Um, you know, um, you know, I, I, I can come up and approach him. It was it was the language, you know, right. it was the spoken language that that brought it together. Not I, I don't believe it had anything to do with the color of their skin. Um, but, you know, it, it just I, I don't know. I think having him or, or folks that are uh, multilingual or bilingual. Um, that's a huge asset for us, and and glad that he joined. But you know, I learned this morning he was also he's a web designer too. I, okay, so you almost he's, became a nurse. Now you're a cop, and he's been to nursing school, right? Yeah, <laughs> he worked in uh, medical uh, medical software for years. Yeah. Okay, we're just about out of time. It's this is this conversation has flowed. Um, well, when you see the commissioner, tell him I'm upset. We were supposed to have a uh, little get together and their their whatever they park that they have out there that some area where Operation Hoodsy Cup and Chelsea PD and Pittsfield PD were supposed to get together with their ice cream trucks, but it never happened. We'll still make it happen. <clears throat> so, Chief, before you you uh, sign us off um, and have any last words here, I just want to kind of connect something here. The um, you know we talked about the um, the arrests of the juveniles earlier in the week, um, and you know we kind of transitioned into um, some community outreach uh, activities that we do. And I just want to point out that you know with all the time that we that, that we spend on outreach and um, those efforts, that you know we're those officers, um, despite um, you know the the forward-facing or the public-facing um, outreach that they do, they still do traditional patrol and police work. Right. And that the the outreach or the, you know, your quote-unquote community policing um, is, is actually, um, that's practiced by, by all of our officers, some to, you know, more of a degree than others, you know, depending on, personality and what shift they're on um but i really as a as a supervisor i i I see a lot of um community policing and and outreach efforts just in the day-to-day by so many of our officers and you know it's we have really transitioned into a, a period of policing and we're still transitioning but we have transitioned very smoothly i think into um that that role and you know we, we have to flip back and forth you know wednesday when when that incident was going on there was obviously uh, a heavy enforcement activity but that that those officers may have been you know stopping by and doing a, a walk and talk at you know prior to that incident and then you know afterwards engaging in, in other community policing or or outreach type activity that that doesn't doesn't necessarily get highlighted, um, right. you know. So well, we need to do we need to do a better job of telling those stories. Absolutely, and uh, you know, one thing that you know, I, I think, Chief, that you could, and, and Lieutenant, you can certainly back up, um, is that you know, with with the new police reform stuff coming down the line, I, I personally believe that we are uh, light years ahead of many departments um, when it comes to uh, the community policing side of things and. And really being uh, engaged in the community versus, you know, uh, being reactive. But we've been very good at being proactive in, yeah, in so. the last few years. And and uh, more so with the newer officers that are coming on. It's a different group. It's, you know, I I'm definitely can see a huge difference. So. Yep. so I was in a post-commission working group meeting last week. And community policing came up. And I, I, I made the point of emphasize that I, I started in community policing and I am not a chief that believes that departments should have community policing units. I believe and I think our philosophy should be and I think it is you know it took us a long time to pivot and get there. Every single member of our department is engaged in community policing. Right? Community right. policing means we work in partnership with the community to improve public safety. Right? We can't do what we do without community partners. Um, and so community engagement 
is one aspect of community policing. Taking guns off the street from the hands of juveniles, that's also an aspect of community policing. Right. The the caller that put us onto those guns, they're our partner. Absolutely. All right, 15 we have seconds. 15 seconds left here. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Be kind. Have a great week. Enjoy your Memorial Day holiday. Tune in next week for another new episode. We're 1080.